and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's life in the Mediterranean this week? Oh, it's it's stressful, Justin. I, I'm sorry, there's no other word for it. It is stressful. The whole world is conspiring against this old man this week. It's mm-hmm. giving me It's giving me a headache, I'll be honest. But the sun is shining. It's still very warm. How are things in Canada? Well, the mornings are getting colder. The days are still nice and warm. So it's a choice of, do you put long pants, short pants on? It's a hard life, but it's, it's lovely. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous this morning. Sun's coming up. I've got all the colors of the rainbow. I love it. Excellent. Jolly good. Well, what about some follow-up? Have you got some follow-up from last week? Uh, yeah, well, let's start with, uh, my faith in humanity has been restored. Uh, so last week, sort of on a, a last minute thing, uh, Mrs. T des- decided to enroll in a fundraising challenge called run for the cure to support breast cancer research. Uh, she's getting out fast walking. Uh, we did this on the weekend, a 5.5 kilometer hike along the trans Canada trail, which is sort of in on the mountain above us. Uh, absolutely beautiful. It was uh, a lovely walk, not too hilly, but, uh, uh, there was a nice break in the middle where we sat down, uh, the family came out. Um, but she did this as a fundraising challenge to help support research, uh, October, out here and I think in the rest of the world is breast cancer awareness month. And after another recent scare slash test, um, she kind of felt passionate that she wanted to do this sort of a rite of passage, I guess, you know, coming through the journey she's had for the last year, she decided, yeah, I think it was on the Thursday that this was coming up on the Sunday. She's going to go ahead and, and a role for it, try to fundraise and more than anything, participate in it because, well, as one does, it's, it's something that is close to one's heart after you go through something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was being supportive as, as one should do as a husband and tweeted it out and shared it on Facebook and stuff like that. Her, her goals and her fundraising thing. And we had one of our listeners, uh, Bob Oswald at Bob Oswald on Twitter. Great guy. Uh, he donated the amount needed to push her over her fundraising goal, which I thought was absolutely lovely. Um, I can't tell you how much that meant to both Mrs. T and to, to our whole family to see Cindy, my wife, so passionate about it and to see people come up and support her. Uh, you know, there's so much negative in the world and boy, uh, there was complete selflessness, um, to come out and support somebody that you don't even know apart from the wife of a voice on your headphones. So thank you, Bob. Uh, also a huge thanks to Stu for also supporting Mrs. T as well. Uh, though Stu may have done it just because in our conversation, I had complained that uh, my wife had bought me a bright pink golf shirt purchased for the occasion for me to walk in, um, and never to be seen again, just adding that. <laughs> um, and, uh, Stu, uh, used this as a way to get a hold of Mrs. T and say, uh, you need to send a picture of Justin in a pink shirt because if anybody knows me, well, 
I've got like Harley Davidson tattoos down my arms and a pink shirt, not quite what I would normally wear. So sets sets those tattoos off beautifully. I thought. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was. Oh, it was bright pink stew. Oh, it was bright. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I I know you like the bright colors, but oh my gosh, this was bright even for you. I think. I and of course we all matched. Everybody walking had the same pink. So. Uh, anyway, uh, so Stu got the picture and thanks very much for supporting her. Uh, I have a link if it's still active to my wife's fundraiser, uh, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, so thank you everybody for your support. Yeah. And well done, Bob, Bob Ostwald. You're the man. Yeah, that was, that was just fantastic. I really appreciate it. And you know, I, I believe Bob is in the States, so I'm not even sure he would get a Canadian tax receipt that's any good to him. So just you know, amazing to do that. Um, and then I did get, uh, an email, um, uh, this morning actually just came in before we recorded. Uh, so, you know, we are two old crusty white guys and we are talking about something that we are infinitely qualified to talk about, which is breast cancer, not, but it is breast cancer awareness month. Uh, we got another lovely email from a listener, Sophia, who is listening to our back catalog and heard me talking about breast cancer and wanted to provide an amazing list of resources for patient survivors and their loved ones, including resources from all over the world. So this has uh, gone over to my wife, which I wish I had seen this a year ago. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. It's very good to bookmark it, especially if you have people in your life that could be affected by breast cancer. Um, and because talking about this isn't uncomfortable enough already, uh, please, it can happen to anyone. Get your routine screenings, encourage all of your loved ones to do the same. It's, it's a horrible disease. Um, not that most diseases are particularly nice, uh, but if caught early, it can be treated successfully. So, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, there are, uh, scans and self exams and things like that. <sighs> Get tested, <laughs> make sure you're looking after yourself. And that's all I'm going to say on the subject because I feel so uncomfortable talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just to make it even more uncomfortable, so much so that I'm actually twitching as I think about it. Um, men do get breast cancer too. Um, clearly not as, uh, frequently as women, uh, but it does happen. Uh, and there's a fantastic website called male breast cancer happens. Uh, there's a show, there's a show for that in the link, pardon. There's a link <laughs> for that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, uh, it's no bad thing to check yourself out but there and elsewhere. And at that point we will draw a veil over this this conversation but again thanks very much to bob and uh, to everybody and yeah get out there and do some stuff for these charities they do amazing work yeah definitely so Stu, what's been what's been causing stress in your life oh well i mean just the usual privileged white man nonsense to be honest i mean it's apple new time you know they've released the new iPhone and of course there's new software and all of that good jazz which in my house um particularly in a year when I'm not upgrading much he says looking at a new computer um, <laughs> doesn't feel like much my, though yeah I mean, it's just a bigger box than the box that was there before but my my podcast app sort of stops randomly um and it always does that more after an update 
um, my home pods, they start sneezing again, which allegedly is something to do with the electrics or might not be. It could be software. All I'm saying is that when they do an update, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. Um, my notifications on all of my devices went, what do you mean no notifications? You don't mean that. And there is a cacophony of noise. All I need to do is get a notification, a text message from my wife, six computers, four iPads, and seven phones kick off. Honestly, it's bananas. Everything was notifying me. Absolutely everything. My alarm system at home is set to notify me if I'm being robbed. All the other stuff I'm not interested in. But no, no. I was getting the self-test notification. It was coming on the phone, on the computer, and by text message. Oof. All of my automations stopped. So I have uh, a whole series of lights that come on uh, around about sunset, surprisingly enough, and then go off at various times, bedtime, whatever. Except... The going off thing stopped. <laughs> so I would be, I'd be doing that sort of, you know, <laughs> as the listener may gather, <laughs> my, my wife has returned. And my dogs are excited to see the car coming up the driveway. Um, so the turning on was working okay, but the turning off didn't. And as everybody sort of our age will know, there are times when a man has to visit the bathroom at night, mm. at which point, I would look out of the window and see my driveway lit up like it was Christmas. Uh, So the only way I could find to fix them was just to delete every single one of them and restart them, remake them. Oh, (sighs) tiresome, tiresome. And just at the point where I'm thinking, you know, I might replace this light with an automation and that light with an automation. Then I'm thinking, except every year I have to reset everything. Um, there we are. Look, excitable dogs. And there is the current Mrs. Lennon. Hello, current Mrs. Lennon. (laughs) Hello, current Mrs. Lennon and dogs. We have guests. We have guests on the show this week, I guess. Guest stars. Yes. And she's just been whispering at me that I think they're coming back in in a little while because she's got to go somewhere. (laughs) Good Lord. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. And I dare say it will all become clear. So, yeah, that's just, uh, it's just annoying. And the, the way I think of it is that Apple now is a, is a you know, it's a behemoth. It's, it's enormous. It's the third biggest company or the first biggest or the second biggest company in the world. It's huge. And it can't just every year go, oh, yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah, most of your stuff's broken, but it'll kind of get fixed soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be an appointment update. <laughs> no. Coming later this year. I've given you thousands of dollars for equipment. You can't just break it every year and go, oh, isn't software hard? No, stop it. You (laughs) you can't do this. They're moving to a system where they want to charge me, and I pay them every month for storage and the ability to look at Fitness Plus and Apple TV, and I pay that money. But it will get to a point where I'm going to go, well, hang on, I'm not going to pay you guys because you keep breaking everything. I'm going to go to provider X that doesn't keep breaking everything. And I, I just feel they're making themselves very vulnerable because they're not focusing on the right things. You cannot be the biggest in the market. You cannot be the best and keep screwing up every year. You can't. Hmm. And they need to get a hold of that, I think. 
It's it's interesting because I just finished a book. So have have you heard of uh, the Little Kingdom? It's a book written in 1984, just after the release of the original Mac. Uh, basically, going through uh, the early years of Apple, written in a time when all of the Steve Jobs hero stuff hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. So this was just the formation of the company, the going public, all of the challenges that early Apple had with product differentiation and the Apple II, the Lisa, the Apple III that failed badly. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Reading that, boy, did I see the precursors of modern Apple. Um, it is a fantastic book because, you know, some of the things that they were talking about that shoot themselves in the foot, um, how to simplify things, how, you know, their design language, uh, which we all blame on Joni Ive was actually embedded in the culture of Apple from the beginning. Mm. It's, it's a silly expensive book because you have to buy it used and, I think it cost me like 90 bucks for it, but I was kind of curious because I've read pretty much everything else on, on Apple. And this was one that was on the recommended list. So if you haven't read it, I, I do recommend it as an interesting read, taking yourself back to, well, I think it was what, what bell bottoms and, <laughs> and, and corporate ties and uh, long necked, um, dress shirts. I'm sure everybody was driving a BMW back in the day and, you know, becoming the early yuppie, uh, because you know, that was the eighties for, for Christ's sake. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. So, uh, uh, I, I just see so much of Apple has not changed. Yeah. I mean, I think you may be right. It's definitely cultural. And, uh, I think you can actually trace sort of the, the, the touch of management. I mean, I think Tim Cook is a genius insofar as the supply chain that he now has put together and managed through extraordinary growth and then some incredibly difficult setbacks like the pandemic and the fact that you know, Apple are producing anything at all is testament to his brilliance in, in supply chain management. That's fantastic. Um, there have been no real changes in, in software. And so you've got old um, fashion boy, whatever he's called, Craig Federighi, um, who's, you know, looking wonderful, looking lovely, and is still very much in that that sort of innovate, move fast and break stuff, all of that, yeah, 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 yeah. That's how the software division runs. But if you went to any other company in the world that's providing a service, you know, if you went to Oracle or Sage or these guys, and said, okay, it's all right just to break everybody's working systems. They, they would go, mm, no, no, it kind of isn't, actually. The, the one thing you cannot do is launch anything new that breaks anything. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have a solution. This is a solved problem. We call it testing. Mm -hmm. and, and Apple just don't do it. I'm sorry, they just don't do it. So they, I mean, I'll give you an example, a completely sort of separate one. My Apple Watch is now talking to me all the time. Now that's fine. I know how to turn it off, but I thought, okay, let, let's experiment with this. I go walking every morning. And before I go, I go, okay, outdoor walk, record it on fitness so that I get, you know, my minutes and all that stuff. I'm walking away and it will 
After one kilometer, it will say uh, one kilometer split. <laughs> 13 minutes, 52 seconds. Average pace, 13 minutes, 52 seconds per kilometer. Now, if we discount the fact that there's a bit of duplication in that message, okay, the second kilometer, kilometer two split, 13 minutes, 22 seconds. Average pace, 13 minutes, 22 seconds. No, it isn't. That's the average for the last kilometer. What about the average for the two kilometers? If, <laughs> Do you argue with it? Well, no, if anybody at Apple has used that function once, they would go, oh, this is nonsensical. This doesn't make any sense at all. Instead of repeating what the last kilometer was, we should say what the walk so far has been. I mean, it's obvious. It's painfully obvious. But nobody's ever listened to it. That's because everybody turns it off. <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, ah. Oh, uh, Don't get me wrong, listener. I know these are first world problems. And I'm really, really not that upset about it. I'm just frustrated uh, losing time dealing with this stuff. And more importantly, the universe has conspired probably with Apple. I mean, I think Tim Cook's probably behind this as well. But um, a few months ago, I suppose, well, maybe six months ago, I um, sort of, uh, with, with Mrs. L, we locked up all of our capital. Most of it was already locked up, but we had some sort of lying around. And we, we locked it up, put it somewhere safe, mostly to stop me spending it on Apple stuff. Um, and... You know, we did some planning and some budgeting and looked at, you know, what we've got coming in and what we have going out. And there we go. That's fine. And then suddenly, the last couple of months, the world has fallen out of my finances. I don't know why. But um, the uh, we we rent a house in the UK. Uh, as in, we let a house. We, we rent it out to people who mm-hmm. pay, pay us every month. Uh, but the last sort of three months rent, I've got nothing because it's all been spent on maintenance or improvements so uh we had we have hardwood electric gates and they basically got blown off the wall by by not a hurricane but a big storm uh so that had to be fixed um and then there was a problem in the kitchen there was a problem with the windows there was a problem with the boiler the sort of thing that happens you know and again very very privileged i know i understand that but that money we rely on and it hasn't come for a few months so that sort of moves through the reserves then of course dopey here bought a mac studio which is not the cheapest computer in the world Mm -hmm. um and one might say a slightly unnecessary purchase but hey you know i can i can withstand that shock there is some leeway in my budget for that sort of thing uh and then i had to go to the uk um for to go see my mom and also to see a client and that's you know it's a lot more expensive than it was pre-pandemic and also it's just a big chunk of change and then Mrs. L said, well, I've got to come. I've got to see your mother. Right. Good. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um, and then my electric bill here in Cyprus arrived. <laughs> um, before it arrived, I'd been doing some juggling. Okay. Because the, the British government tried to commit Harry Kiri. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed, but um, <laughs> they essentially did the most stupid thing I've ever seen any politician ever do and, and surprised the financial market on a Friday afternoon, which 
Honestly, this is economics 101. Do not surprise the financial market ever, but certainly not on a Friday afternoon when they're all in the pub. So uh, sterling collapsed, which can be a little bit scary if, like me, you've got assets in sterling and expenses in another currency. So, so I was trying not to move money from the UK to the Eurozone because I wasn't getting very many euros. Um, and I'm trying to juggle this. And then my electric bill to within about 50 euros wiped out my, my euro account Ooh. because it was pretty substantial bill, um, which we were expecting, you know, it's air conditioning time. And of course, electricity has gone through the roof and all that stuff. And so I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm on the ropes at this point, Justin. I'm b- bouncing. I think, okay, so I'm going to move money from here and do that and do this and do that and do this. And then I get an email from our insurance broker. It's time for the BMW insurance. Oh, and the home insurance. Oh, big annual costs. Uh, and then today I'm sitting here working and uh, guy comes in and goes, your pool pump's not working. Oh, no. Again. <laughs> I understand this is really privileged whinging and whining, and I do apologize. But um, by this stage, I'm like head in hands thinking, I, I've already emptied all the piggy banks. I've, I've put my arm down every sofa in the house trying to pull money to them, thinking, oh, no, this is massive expenditure coming. It's not fair. And the problem with pool pumps, again, I appreciate the privilege, is that um, the water goes off quite quickly. If you're not circulating the water, and not putting it through a filter, then it could quite quickly go green. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, which is not nice. And the only thing you can do about that is siphon all the water out, um, which is a relatively simple process, takes a little while. Um, uh, it's a lot harder if your pump's not working, actually, now that I think of it. Then you clean the pool out, uh, and refill it with water, which you have to buy, so that water comes in a big tanker. Um, and the whole thing is just just a logistical pain in the backside. Uh, and pool pumps tend to be very expensive things. Especially when you need one right away. Yeah. So I was, I was very, very, I sort of, I phoned the company that had fitted it, uh, and spoke to somebody who's, uh, spoke better English than my Greek, but between us, we weren't getting very far. So I sent an email to the head office saying, oh, please, please, let's not go Mediterranean on this. Guys, somebody needs to do something quick or else I'm, you know, the problem is going to go worse and worse and worse. And then I went on to a business call uh, for over an hour and I checked my email afterwards and there was a response from a guy saying, somebody will be with you at uh, between 4 and 4.30. Mm. Wow, that's incredible. At 4.01, somebody arrived. And uh, they, they went up to the pool and there was some, some mucky about going on and uh, we'll open this and we'll do that and we'll check that and we'll check this. Oh, look at that. There was a lot of going on and uh, boom, 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 80 euros fixed. Oh, lovely. Oh, what a result. Um, so yes, um, as long as Mrs. Lennon doesn't want to eat or drink for the next two, three weeks, we're going to be absolutely fine. <laughs> oh, Stu, I feel your pain too, because, you know, it's funny. We don't talk about these things before we do our show together. And yet somehow we end up in similar situations in more cases than I would actually care to admit to. Uh, usually, you know, Stu goes off and does looks at a new thing and then I'm doing the same thing. Uh, apparently our bank accounts are also linked Stu, because well today I've got the, the honey wagon coming in to pump out my septic. 
Oh, nice. Which, two things. The septic system that I have is, well, it's about uh, 12 feet away from my office door here. So mm -hmm. I am not looking forward to where I'm going to be working once they open that. <laughs> I can jump you on that. I can jump you on that. I've got inspection hatches underneath my office. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. That's for the pipes that lead to the septic, which is, I guess, I suppose mine is about 20 feet away. Mm, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I've got that coming. Uh, I've, I'm making a list of all the things I need to do and buy before winter comes. Mm. And it's getting expensive in a hurry, Stu. It really is. Uh, there is so much stuff that I need to do this year. Oh, it's crazy. You know, last year, everything kind of got put on one side because we were dealing with chemotherapy. Sure. This, this year, it's like, oh, I need to do this and this and this. And then it's, it's Mrs. T's 50th this weekend. And, you know, after the year she's had, she wants to celebrate big. Sure. And you know what big means? Expensive. Big expenses. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a whole weekend of celebrating uh, Mrs. T's 50th birthday. So, oh, that's, that's going to leave me a little, well, I, I have a feeling the credit card will be melted after the week, all the uh, running it through all their machines. Mm. It's going to be a tough one. And then I'm trying to figure out how can I afford a new big boy truck? Because getting stranded the other week, I don't know, sitting in my truck for two hours waiting for a big tow truck has killed my confidence in the truck that I have. And now is a really, really hard time to buy vehicles. Supply chain constraints. It means they're really, really, really expensive. And especially for the big boy that I want, you know, I want the big six wheel sucker. Uh -huh. Um, so, you know, the, the one that will last me for, well, hopefully another, you know, 10, 10 years, but, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the numbers on there and I'm just like shaking my head in disbelief. How much is this thing going to cost me? So I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I'm thinking between Stu and myself, we should start doing ad reads. What do you think, Stu? Uh, mattress in a box, pizza makers, or perhaps crypto. Uh, what do you think would uh, appeal to all of our listeners the most? This episode is brought to you by Dinky Winky. Send us cash or PayPal, and we will write your name in Elvish on an impregnable database, or an Excel sheet, that we will host on a flaky server in Mozambique. Money will be made by us, not you. Thank you for listening. See, I think we can do it, Justin. I, I think I'm made for it. Uh, you've, you've got the voice. You've got the voice down. I, I, boy, Relay FM needs to uh, hire you for their ad reads. Absolutely. When I'm not doing vampire porn, then uh, I can get on doing some ad reads. Oh, I forgot about the vampire porn. Oh. <laughs> I've recorded a couple of chapters. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about it on this show. Uh, well, there we are. There's, there's a teaser for next week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. All right. And speaking of money going out the door, uh, Stu was right. Uh, remember last week we were talking about uh, mattresses, the th you know, the problems that privileged white men in their fifties have, Stu. <laughs> uh, mattress toppers came up in conversation, another $300 on trying to get back to the comfortable bed we had before we upgraded. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, the current Mrs. Lennon has just paid 160 euros customs clearance charge <laughs> for the 
for the mattress topper uh, and I think some some other things that she absolutely needed um, from a company that guaranteed there would be no customs clearance charges. So some of the phone calls I've been overhearing have been, well, honestly, I had no idea my wife could be quite so ferocious. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. Yeah, I did. Uh, but still, uh, she, she asked me to do it. I said, no, no, I think you're probably best equipped for the, for the barking. And off she went barking like a good thing. <laughs> All right, let's get into our regular show. So what's your tool of the week this week, Stu? Uh, <laughs> my tool of the week is the eternal app fiddling. Um, so uh, the background to this, this, this episode is in fact one big tangent, isn't it? But the background to this is, I suppose, that cash flow, um, which has, I've been mulling over for a couple of months, really, just what I do with my time, where I focus my energy. And I, I guess to a certain extent, I'm coming out of semi-retirement. I'm going to whatever the step up from semi-retirement is that isn't working. So not quite full-time work, but perhaps part-time work. And I'm focusing on some good old-fashioned sort of business basics. So for the consultancy business, uh, I usually run that out of a notebook, uh, which might explain why it's quite a small consultancy business. So I thought, okay, let's get serious about this. Let's start looking at sales effort. Let's look at marketing. Let's look at all these things. I need a CRM, thought I. As always, whenever setting up a business, the first thing to do is spend loads of money. No. Oh, dear. Anyway. So um, I started looking at CRMs. I have some experience of CRMs in the past. I used to use a pipe drive, which is a pretty decent one. Um, but pipe drive is very webby. Uh, and as the listener will know, I'm quite happily quite like apps on my computer. You wouldn't have got that from the uh, first part of our conversation where we were complaining about the computers that we use. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, indeed, but that, that, in fairness, that was mostly iOS. But anyway, um, there is one called Daylight, which is very Apple-centric. Um, there are, I, I believe, actually, it's probably Canadian. Um, they have uh, a proper mac app and they have an ios app that is probably not as powerful but but pretty decent uh and it kind of does all the basic crm functions that i might need it has a free trial so um i thought okay i'll get into the free trial have a look and you know try and make a a proper assessment first thing is that the crm links in very well uh, with your email. So it can sort of incorporate your email into the whole process of managing these relationships, understanding what you're, which is great. As long as you're using Apple mail. <laughs> I could see where this is going. <laughs> so, um, fortunately my, uh, Lime consulting, which is the name of the business, uh, account was forwarded to my Hey account. So I could just unforward it and start putting it back into mail, um, which I did so that I could test this integration. And also, it's a chance for me to have a look at the new and improved mail, uh, which is a little bit better than it used to be, I think. Um, when the, the new release comes out, I think it'll be even better than that. So I was uh, looking at that, playing with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say, there's recency bias here, for sure. Uh, and the fact that it's working directly with the CRM uh, is a huge thing for me. 
Um, but yeah, that's really working for me. I'm daylights have got a really good um, sort of trial process where they they set you up on a call with an expert for half an hour who sort of helps you get around it, answers any questions. I mean, essentially, they're trying to persuade you to to buy. Um, and then if you do buy, there's an onboarding and all of that jazz. So I'm still in the trial basis. I'm still kicking the the tires, but I'm doing it with some live work, as it were. So I've got a little sales funnel that I've built and that type of thing. So um, that's that's been my tool of the week is really playing with that CRM and latching it in with the email. And of course, as you've already identified, Justin, that is sending me down. 25 rabbit holes, which are new and exciting ways of uh, procrastinating and not doing the professional sales job that I should be doing. <sighs> there you go. Such mm. um, oh, wow. And the other one that I want to give a shout out uh, for is Dry. Uh, that's D-R-Y-Y. There's a link in show notes. Uh, it's an app uh, and a website for the sober curious. So if you're interested in the idea of of looking at what you drink, drinking a bit less, then uh, have a look at that. It's a really cool place. Mm. That's me. What about you? What's your tool of the week, Justin? Uh, see, now you've just got me clicking on this dry thing and so <laughs> curious and thinking about that and going, oh, that doesn't fit in with my neighborhood here. Yeah, it's certainly no good for your 50th uh, <laughs> 50th birthday weekend. No. Oh, it's it's just this neighborhood. People drink beer like it's water. It's It's <laughs> absolutely crazy. You walk around to the neighborhood and it's, uh, come have a beer, come have a glass of wine. It is absolutely, well, sober curious, I think is, uh, detox the whole neighborhood. <laughs> I said, just wait, wait for your liver to request that you go and visit perhaps. Probably. Uh, so mine actually is just going back to the simple, uh, analog cards. We've talked about them before. Those are from Ugmonk. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day because I had to open a new pack and fill up my little wood desk stand here. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about the process. You know, when you when you kind of redo it, you you start it from scratch again. I was considering this and realized that this process of distilling my day down to the few most important things completely focuses my mind and my efforts. As I'm changing some of my workflows using sort of that agenda anomaly focus together, the act of writing a focused to-do list is so important and so important for me getting things done in a week. So I, I'm going to go back and give that a shout out again. If you haven't tried them, you know, any, any card will do. Uh, Foglietto makes some, Baron Fig makes some. I think, uh, Stu, you have some of your own, right? Uh, Nero's notes. Uh, we don't have any of our own. No, we carry we carry Foglietto, we carry Clairefontaine. Um, yeah, I mean any index card will do. But you're right, the the ones from Ugbunk are lovely. Just don't don't hit them with a big pen. No, no big nibs. No big nibs. Oh, I found that out the other day. But we'll talk about that in the <laughs> pen link of the week. Uh, what what are you uh, writing with this week, Stu? Uh, very similar to, la to last week. So the Pilot Custom Eight Two Three. Um, with its uh, matching brown ink. Oh, it's beautiful. It's lovely. It's really nice. I, I had no idea I liked brown ink so much. Uh, and the Waterman Karen in gunmetal with diamine blue-black. They're just both such nice writers. They are um, sort of just below my my sort of Premier League guys. My Premier League guys are the Pelican and the Sailors. I love those pens most for writing. But these two are pretty close, I've got to say. 
What about you? What are you writing with? All right. I'm writing with a new pen and I have a lesson. It's going to be a long podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I have lessons. <gasps> lessons. Uh, so I just got a, a Leonardo Memento Zero in Rosewood Ebonite, uh, which is uh, a wooden body with ebonite everywhere else through it. Absolutely lovely. Uh, it's a limited edition. Um, it's, it's a medium nib, which I don't normally get, but because it was available, I went for it. I've been writing a lot more for myself rather than, uh, writing in sort of daily planning because of, you know, as I said, the agenda and OmniFocus, mm -hmm. a combination I'm using now. Um, and I did something silly when you get a new pen. One of the things I did was I went, oh, this is a lovely sort of reddish wood color, rosewood. So I was trying to figure out what can I put in it. And I went to my diamine advent calendar from last year mm -hmm. uh, for Christmas. They had one called all the best, which was sheeny and shimmery and absolutely stunning to put on a piece of paper. I thought that color is going to go so lovely. It's a, it's a reddish color. <sighs> the problem is I've never used that ink for other than ink testing. And I put it in this pen and this pen wrote like heck. Um, it stopped, it started, it, it, it just didn't have a good flow at all to it. And this was cause I broke one of my usual rules which is putting a trusted ink that I know how it works in a pen for the first time. Uh, so what I did on this one was I ended up dumping a full cartridge of, of this beautiful ink and refilled it with a very, well, almost boring, uh, Graf von Faber Castell garnet red because like Mont Blanc, I know that they are just very, very trusted clean inks to run. The Edelstein, the, the Mont Blanc, the Graf, they're, they're just lovely inks and it's fine. This, this is a low feed pen for a medium nib. It's not very wet, but yeah, I, I would encourage you if you get a new pen, it's not writing put an ink that you know in there. Don't do like I do and put something new and fantastic in there because that's how you get problems. And mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I, I would have been so disappointed if I just said, oh, it's a, it's a crappy pen. I'm just going to put it on the side. You know, you fall out of love with it before you've even given it a chance. And it was an ink problem. So there you go. Yeah, no, I'm, I can only echo that. I just had a look at the pen. It's lovely. Um, but uh, I had exactly that problem with the Lamy 2000. I hated the Lamy 2000 when I got it because I made the stupid mistake of putting Lamy ink in it. Mm. Um, I put a Lamy sort of forest green or something in there, and it was horrible. Just wouldn't write properly. Uh, then I put in um, an Hiroshizuku, uh, one of the purples. I can't remember the name. It'll be in Japanese. Anyways. It'll be a bit beyond me. But it wrote beautifully, and I lost maybe 18 months of not talking to that pen just because I had the wrong ink in. Mm -hmm. So always start with something that you trust, figure out the pen and then experiment once you know it's not the pen. That's it. It'll save you a whole bunch of, well, money and time and effort. Ah, cool. All right, Stu, let's talk digital writing. We're going to follow up a little bit 
on our digital tools that we've been using for analog writing. I think that's a good way to say it. Mm. Um, Sue's been using the Remarkable. I've been using the Neopen. Uh, we've been using it for a while. Stu's cut back from his trip. I wanted to kind of touch on that and see how it went, what we think about it, so we can kind of give you some feedback. I, I just noticed though, last week, Amazon announced a Kindle that is writable. Mm. Is this going to be a remarkable killer? Uh, I possibly. I mean, it's uh, it's called the Scribe, I think. Um, That's it. Uh, and it's I've not I've not looked into the spec of it. Around about the same time, which makes me think of it, this is not a coincidence. Uh, Remarkable dropped their fee, uh, their annual sort of connection charge, or so their annual charge for Connect, which is the um, sync service that they use to give you some of the sort of services that they they provide, and they're also upgrading the whole integration. So they are going to provide digital notes apps specific to the remarkable so in theory i'll be able to mm -hmm. write a note on my tablet um zip it over to my mac um amend the note with typed characters then send it back to my remarkable and make some notes around it manually put it onto my phone you know all of that is is what they promise um so that's gonna be really interesting and uh, i guess it's could it could it kill them? I guess it could if if Amazon implements it well. Uh, but I think what it will probably do is, or what it says is that there's an indication, there's a little bit of a a market for this. People are looking for this type of thing, mm -hmm. and I think the technology is at a point now where you can get a pretty good experience. But I, I dare say we will circle back to that. Mm -hmm. What about your uh, funky Neo Pen? Is that is that doing the business? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I, I was kind of trying to think of this and I put it in the show notes, TLDO, it's a digital pen still looking for a use case. Uh, the, the pen itself is an optical pen, which means it needs a specific grid printed on the paper to align the digital optical reading characters of the pen, which actually works really well. Uh, I'm, I'm very surprised by how well it works. The disadvantage to that is you're stuck with this pen and well, feel it's, it's a ballpoint and it's not a particularly great ballpoint at that. Uh, so right. The writing experience is much less satisfying to, well, someone who's a nerd about sta about stationary and fountain pens like I am, um, it's much less satisfying than some of the other pen or pencil formats that I have lying around. So it's, as I say, it's looking for that use case. Uh, the recognition as far as using it, once you write in there, the OCR is very good. Uh, and I think to go back to what Stu was just saying, the hardware almost seems that the technology and the hardware seems that it's got it now. It's, it's close enough to be usable. Uh, would you, would you agree with that, Stu? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the writing on the, um, on the remarkable is I have a choice of nib types so I can, I can change the line. Um, it's, I mean, it's the same physical piece, 
but it will act as a kind of Sharpie. It will act as a ballpoint. It will act as a pencil. It will act as a fountain pen. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not the same as picking up one of your favorite fountain pens, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's not far off. It's certainly a lot better than, say, writing on a, a piece of glass like an iPad. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, that you made the comment about the selection of nibs and colors and things like that. Uh, I guess your, yours is remarkable. It's the ink, so it's probably all just gray and black. Uh, but the uh, Neopen comes with a little card inside the notebook that you can touch and you can change the digital version from different colors and different nib widths, mm -hmm. which is really odd because you're still writing with a black ballpoint that looks the same, but the digital version, if you wanted to look at it on digital version is, well, it could be in blue, it could be in red, it could be thick, it could do the Sharpie, it could do, it's, it's a very weird thing why you would do it that way. Sure. I mean, the remarkable you do, so you can see the difference between a ballpoint and a fountain pen. Um, but as you point out for colors, um, I can write in color, although I won't see it <laughs> remarkable. So, um, I, for example, you can, you can use it as a highlighter pen and you can put that onto, um, eight or nine different highlighter colors. Um, and you can put text in red and blue and all that sort of stuff, but you can't see it. So you have to, you have to remember that you've done that. Mm. So yeah, in general though, the feel is pretty good. The, How's the OCR on the uh, Remarkable? Uh, as you say, pretty good. I mean, it struggles with bits of my my handwriting, but in fairness, so do I. Um, <laughs> so, so when I'm writing very quickly, or sometimes um, I have a tendency to to start writing quite small. I think it's a left-handed thing. Um, then the OCR could look at something and go, "That could be two T's. That could be two L's. I'm not entirely sure." Uh, and it will have a stab and sometimes get it wrong, but remarkably hey, hey, hey uh it does pretty well very good all right so here's my challenge on the on the neopen the app <sighs> the app i'm just trying to think of uh, before i get into rant mode here um so the app this thing connects to an ios device does not connect to the mac connects to ios if you can see where my problem with this is going, if anybody listens to the show and knows how much <laughs> I love iOS devices, I, I could attach it to my iPad, which is currently folded up and in, in a desk drawer. It can attach to my phone, which usually is around me, but uh, set to not disturb me for anything. I can get a really good PDF style scan of my page showing my handwriting. Uh, I can manipulate that within the app. Again, this is on an iPhone app, so uh, that is a, a little less enjoying, uh, enjoyable than you know having the big 32-inch monitor to play with it on. Mm -hmm. The way that gets into the app seems like I could write with a nice pen onto a piece of paper and take a picture of it and try OCRing that. So... I, I'm not entirely sure that that process is great. The problem is once it's in the iOS app, then I've got an intermediate step. And that's kind of the point that is challenging for me. Mm -hmm. So what I could do in the iOS app, I can then take my writing and I can convert it to OCR text. 
but then one must export it and sort of re-import it to somewhere useful. So for me, if you could think about this, I'm writing into a notebook, I'm going into my iPhone, I'm converting to the OCR text list, which again is, is remarkably good. And then I'm exporting to drafts and then I'm coming to my computer and I'm opening drafts where everything syncs because drafts is wonderful for that. But then I have to go from there into the computer, which seems like, well, a couple of steps too much. Mm -hmm. It, it the, the sync on it. It's great if you're iOS centric, you know, my daughter would love this because she is iPad centric, even though she's got a Mac, she prefers her iPad. She's got an iPad pro with all the fancy stuff in it. Uh, she loves working on that. I'm, I'm a Mac guy. And for me, it's just a lot too much work and it's not as efficient as it should be. How about you, Stu? How does the remarkable work for converting your, your notes into useful text? Um, it works okay. Um, but again, similar problem in that it will then produce, um, a PDF. Um, I mean, like, you know, other formats are available, but it's not a necessarily going to directly drop into something that I would want it to drop into, whether that be Obsidian or Craft or Notes or whatever. Um, and so that whole sort of seamless walled garden experience that, you know, Apple fanboys like you and I enjoy doesn't really work because these aren't Apple products. On the other hand, I'm not sure that the... The turning it into text is really good to watch, to look and go, well, that's really clever. That's great. It's not really what I use it for. So um, studying the MBA at the moment, I get a whole load of PDFs, particularly if I've got a good professor who realizes that, you know, spending a hundred dollars for textbooks is, is not a great use of cash. Um, so I have a load of PDFs that I need to read and I want to, to note on. And I'm quite happy having handwritten notes on those. I don't need that necessarily to be digitized because I would probably as a second process revisit that document um, and not transcribe notes, but make sort of expanded notes into something else if I'm trying to expand a point or demonstrate a point through a quote, that type of thing. So it kind of works all right for me, that whole sitting on the couch, I've got a very light tablet in my hand with a very nice little stylus and I can read through, I can highlight, I can note. Um, it's, it is that sort of Kindle plus experience, I guess. Um, likewise in the worky sort of environment where I was doing these audits and I was taking notes, really what I wanted to do then was, was be able to reference those notes much as I would a notebook. Uh, while I was writing up the the report for the client. Mm -hmm. And I don't really need the OCR. Certainly, I could see if I had system-level integration that, that you mentioned, where that OCR just drops it into, you know, whatever format, whatever place I want, whether that be something like Drafts or Craft or wherever, and I could, in effect, be drafting my report in the field then put it onto a Mac, edit, bang. Yes, there would be efficiencies there. Um, but it's not quite there yet because, uh, you know, it's outside of the walled garden and it's not talking at a, at a system level to things. But those 
I suspect, are commercial issues, not um, technological ones. I think if Apple decided that this was something it wanted to do, it could integrate it easily. Very much. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it wants to right now. It's kind of got other fish to fry, and you know, it's still busy breaking everything else. So, um, I, I, I I'm in a similar level to you where I think I go, yeah, that's really cool, but oh, that's great, but, and I can I think sort of twist the arms of some of my workflows and say, okay, I, I'm just going to do that a little bit differently. I'm going to do this a bit differently. And then I'll put that into there. Uh, and then I catch myself going, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really bending over backwards to make this work rather than the tool going, this is how you want to work. Cool. Let's do it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm 99% certain that five years from now, uh, sort of tablet writing will be an integrable an integral part of the computing experience, um, but it's not quite there yet. On the other hand, I love having the remarkable for the for the studying. I love having the remarkable for uh, working stuff out. You know, the old scratch pad notebook. Um, that's pretty cool because I can just uh, I've got a great erase function on the end of my stylus. Um, and I can, I'll give you an example, the sales funnel that I've been trying to work out. Mm -hmm. So I think most people are familiar with what a sales funnel is. You try and pour leads in at the top and get clients out the bottom. And you work out how to pour people in and how to move them down the funnel until eventually they give you money. And that, for me anyway, is quite a graphic sort of experience. I'm, I'm drawing things, a little arrow here and, okay, how, oh, website goes there. Oh, mail shot goes here. And... I'm kind of thinking on paper. And that was quite nice. I quite enjoyed doing that. Um, how that OCR'd, I don't know, I haven't tried. I suspect it would go, what the hell is this? <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny because uh, my use case for the Neopen is actually very much like that. What I'm doing, for example, right now, I, I may have complained about the uh, amount of cost and things that I have to do before winter sets in up here. Yep. Well, I'm making lists for that. I'm making a list on one page of all the stuff that I need to do. I'm making a list on the next page of all the things I need to go out and buy to do all the things that I need to do. That is exactly the use case that is perfect because I'm thinking in an analog way. I'm writing things down. I'm adjusting them. It's it's really useful for that sort of thinking for me. Um, and what it does save me is retyping all of that stuff into a system where I would want to have it actionable, which generally for me, for things like that, that's an OmniFocus list. It's going to come up with a little task list of when you're at this store, pick up this, when you're at this store, pick up that. So it's it's good for that. The process to get it there for me as I said, is I write it down. I then open up the app on the phone. I convert it again, click, click, click. Uh, I convert it to drafts. I come to drafts on my computer. I fix whatever OCR problems it's had because it's always a couple. I change the formats. I then, because, you know, this is far too nerdy. I have that automation that I talked about for creating uh, new OmniFocus tasks. Mm -hmm. um, 
that tie into agenda. So I make sure everything's formatted. So it becomes as a new a group of new tasks. I then take from drafts, put it into that quick capture that creates a bunch of tasks in OmniFocus in my inbox. Then I have to go into the inbox and decide how am I going to do those? Do I need to put a context? That's at the hardware store. This is at this store. You know, this is when I'm in this city. What are all the things that I need to do? It's there's a lot of touch points along there. It's a good way to do it. Am I saving a significant amount of time compared to just using a quick capture tool? I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. You know, I could do the same thing in a pocket notebook and just put that in my pocket and walk around with it. Sure. Likely to have the same thing. It's it's a technological solution that solves the problem, but is not frictionless. Sure. And then it comes down to the cost. Because that's really the question for this, isn't it, Stu? Cost versus value. I mean, certainly I enjoy it. I don't begrudge it. It's novelty. It's new. I, I like writing. I, I think analog. So for me, it has some use. I think all told, this was about 300 bucks Canadian for a single notebook and a pen for me. Um, and I honestly, if I really think about it and I look at what I would recommend to somebody else, I, I think it's got to have better integration for me to recommend it for the $300 I paid for it. How about you, Stu? Cost versus value. Um, you've got a specific use case, so yours may be better, but yours is also a lot more expensive. What is your thoughts on the remarkable cost versus value? The remarkable is, as you say, quite a lot of money. And it's not fully integrated with everything. It's integrated a little bit. So I don't think the process is quite as laborious as the one that you described with the Neo. Um, however, if I wanted to get the handwritten notes into a, an OCR form that I could use, there would be several stages. Um, and then the the text that I would then produce becomes unusable to the remarkable. So that, that sort of cross between the analog writing and the typing is, is not interchangeable. Now, one, they're talking about making it more interchangeable, closer to interchangeable. Uh, two, I think the technology is not at the place where you can have the writing experience that we both seek um, and all of the digital extras of multiple colors and different width. It's not quite there yet, but it will be. So there will be, I'm certain, some sort of equivalent to e-ink that is fully color and that I will be able to look at and I'll be able to draw uh, pie charts and press a button and it will turn it into an electronic pie chart rather than a handwritten one. You know, all of that stuff will exist, I'm sure. Um, if you uh, really like the experience, the writing experience, and the particular use cases for reviewing PDFs, so if you're in a job where you have to do a lot of reviewing of PDFs, um, or if you like the idea of thinking on paper that isn't really paper, so you think of all you know, I think of all my notebooks that I keep. Would I 
Would I be equally happy with uh, archived electronic notebooks? Um, you know, no, but <laughs> maybe I'm, you know, I'm beginning to see a world that I never thought I would see that I could see that working for me. So um, I think it is very close. This is, I think, ahead of its time a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But having seen, you know, as you say, Kindle, Kindle coming in, or sorry, Amazon coming into the market, um, uh, I think this will accelerate now. So I think we'll see more iterations on this this type of tablet. Um, is it worth the money? It's an indulgence, most definitely. Um, although, you know, you know, we're both sitting here with with iPhones that cost way, way, way more than one needs to spend on a telephone. So. Uh, Indulgence is a lot of technology these days. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask sort of um, because we we haven't touched it, the elephant in the room as well. Somebody that uses Apple, um, uh, we both have iPads, we both have uh, i i pencils, Apple pencils, whatever they call them this week. Um, why do we not consider that? as an option. I'll, I'll let, I'll let you kind of comment on that first. Cause I've got my own thoughts on why I don't even really consider that because I think the integration would certainly be better with that. Uh, but, uh, what, what do you think, Stu? Uh, do you use the iPad, the pencil with the iPad at all? Uh, no, I tried. Um, I, like many people, I bought the, um, the cover, the cover, the sheet, the, the little piece of, mm-hmm. um, the one that makes it feel better. Yeah. The paper, like, I think it's called um, to try and make it feel uh, a better writing experience. And it was, but it still was horrible. Um, there, there was no joy in writing on it. And therefore I went, actually, no, I prefer just have a notebook. Because as you say, you can just have a notebook and then you could scan in all the pages using, well, I hate to say it, but your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would probably be a better experience than the iPad. The, the Remarkable is a much better writing experience than that. Yeah. And I, I think my thoughts on that are exactly the same. Kind of why we didn't bring it up as an option in this discussion. Uh, I think Stu and I both have tried it at different points and just went, you know what, the iPad for us, as you know, we're coming to this from stationary nerd level uh, indulgences here. You know, we talk about how many fountain pens we have and what kind of pencils we're using. So we are probably more discerning than the average person, but. Uh, as Stu said, writing on an iPad, horrible. Just not not a great experience at all. So I, I think that kind of uh, just closes that part out. Um, quick thoughts. If we were designing a digital writing device, how would it be any different than what you've got now? Um, uh, well, I'm not really understanding all the technology. I would like to see the display improved. So I'd like to see the ability to have color. Um, which I don't know if that's difficult, easy, just a matter of cost. I have no idea. Um, I would like to see it work seamlessly with apps of my choice, which I suspect is a, you know, sort of software stroke cost issue. Um, so that I can, you know, write a note. And if my preference is for that to end up in craft, then I want it just to get a craft, you know, a share sheet, I suppose the equivalent of, um, the things that they're promising to do, I really like the sound of. So being able to just seamlessly integrate this as a sort of analog part of a complete workflow. So these these documents turn up on all of my devices 
um, and I can I can switch from from keypad to to writing. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds lovely. Um, that would probably be, well. The other thing um, that always occurs to me, and this has been true of the Apple stuff as well, is which idiot is it that thinks? Or well, no, sorry, which idiots think that the magnetic attachment of the stylus to the device is a good idea? I mean, have these <laughs> have these people never put anything in a briefcase? I mean, th- that doesn't work. <laughs> It will never work unless you've got a magnet that's ferociously strong, which will bring all sorts of other issues with it. You Inevitably, you, you click it on, you go, oh, that looks nice. Then you put it in a bag, you pull it out of your bag, you think, okay, where's the stylus? I mean, oh, I, again, <laughs> people who design this stuff, I think, seriously? Um, if you're going to carry this thing around, which is the whole point behind having an ultra lightweight tablet, is you need a little clip or you need a little. Um, what I used to do with my iPad was Leuchter make little pen loops. <laughs> That's exactly what I have glued to the back of my yeah. iPad with the pen that just goes through it. Yeah. And I never lose it. Exactly. I'm just. How is it that these these posh designers mess all that? So that that would be my my USP. It would be it would be a tablet with a with a stylus that you can actually find. Ta-da! <laughs> oh my God, Stu, you should be a designer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my thoughts. Uh, a better writing experience is number one for me. The ballpoint. It feels like a ballpoint. It doesn't feel like a particularly good ballpoint at that. You know, maybe. Something like a Schmidt rollerball type of thing would be mm-hmm. would be better uh, and more pleasant to write with. If they could do a nice fountain pen, uh, Lamy Safari level. Well, I, I can't say I'm a fan of their nibs at any stretch, uh, but you know that would be number one for me. Um, something that works directly, as Stu said as well, with all programs, them requiring all these intermediate steps. Um, and, and for for the the neocode particularly, something that is Mac focused, I don't want to have to reach my phone to get something from point A to point C. You know, I don't need to go through point B. I just want to go from straight A to C, uh, and that would sort of be my thought as well. Uh, I think it's got some some you know. I think we're on the early part of the blend between analog and digital to the point where I think it is useful now mm. in specific cases. I think it's uh, better than it ever has been. And we're probably on the bleeding edge still, but it, it is, if you have the right use case, I think it's workable now. I, I, I'm, I, I don't think it would have been this way two, three, four years ago. I know you had the moleskin one that was challenging. This one I think is a whole lot better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I I haven't tried the Neo. Uh, the Moleskin one was was awfully difficult and awkward to use, and um, just again, writing experience was probably one step down. Um, from the from your description, I think the, the writing experience on the Remarkable is is better. I think they've done done better with that. Um, it's that they've got a soft. It's like a soft brush version of a nib. It's quite weird, um, but it does feel quite nice. Um, lovely yeah cool all right any takeaways any thoughts 
Uh, well, yeah, mine, you know, having sort of thought about this to to talk about it, is that um, digital writing is, is a lovely idea. I really like the idea. I'm seduced by the idea of, uh, you know, this sort of whole seamless transition from from one medium to another. I think it's going to be great. But actually, <laughs> it's it's the tool's not important. It doesn't really matter whether you're writing things or typing things or, um, you know, drawing things, singing things, dancing things. Um, it's about that expression. I think the expression is something that's very, very important. And when I look at a lot of what I write down, it is just a form of thinking and it's a way of me working stuff out and the tool doesn't matter. What's important is that you express. Mm. Wow. Very well expressed. Ta-da. Ding, ding. Digital writing for me is it's a great concept. I, I love the idea of having an analog writing experience that converts into digital. I, I think it's definitely getting better, but I think it's still outside of many efficient digital workflows. And so it's still limited to specific use cases. If you don't have a use case for one of these tools, save your money. The stuff's going to get better. But uh, if you have a use case, great, it'll work. If you don't, uh, trying to make one it just becomes, well, in some ways, maybe it's, it's an indulgence, it's a toy, it's a bit of fun to have, but perhaps not something that you're going to create a lot of value out of. Yeah, for sure. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or you can find me uh, at Twitter um, at Stu Lennon. Uh, I also hang out on Facebook, not Facebook, on Instagram a little bit, stuart.lennon.587. Um, if you're into anti-money laundering, and I mean, let's be honest, who isn't, uh, limeconsulting.com. It's very exciting. You'll be doing lots of work over there soon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? I find I, I sound so boring compared to you, Stu. Uh, the easiest place to find me is justintwyford.com. Uh, you can find links to my Twitter and Instagram there. Uh, Twitter is mostly dog photos now, so it's lovely. Instagram is pictures of fall or autumn in Canada. So there you go. Uh, you can find more information about both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. Um, please email us and tell us your thoughts stationaryjacent at gmail.com. I have a feeling we'll probably get some interesting feedback on this episode because this is a really cool and I think not well-covered topic yet. So uh, we, we seem to get a lot of interest in these. Uh, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. And we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. This might be a good episode to start that with. Um, our next topic is going to be systems versus tools. <laughs> have to wait to find out what that means. <laughs> Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>